what's the risk of not trying something? What's the risk of playing it safe? What's the risk of sprinting just to try to keep up with the competition if they're ahead of you, with the market if it's getting away from you, and or with your customers, however you define them, however you design them. And we can talk about customer design separately. Um, you know, if they're, you know, forgetting about you, or if they are even worse than forgetting about you is commoditizing you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Everybody Brands podcast, where we know that if you don't have clarity about your brand and for your business, neither do your customers. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Everybody Brands podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have as a guest, Andy Starr, who's the managing partner of Level C an education program teaching principles of modern brand to business professionals. Andy co-founded Level C with international brand expert and author Marty Neumeyer. Andy calls himself a provocateur for hire at the intersection of education, business, and brand. He helps clients outmaneuver competition and conditions in their markets, and he makes marketing, advertising, PR, and content work better, land stronger, and drive real results. He considers himself equal parts strategist, creative, and storyteller. And because he's a, provo a provocateur, you can understand why I invited Andy for a conversation about brand and business on the Everybody's Brands podcast. So Andy, welcome to the Everybody Brands podcast from where you are somewhere in the world. Thanks, buddy. I'm still trying to figure out exactly where I am, um, but I, I hear, I've been told it's somewhere in Southern Austria. So the mountain, the mountains, the uh, the the fresh air, the the um, proliferation of beer and chocolate and amazing breads and cheeses kind of uh, you know lend a hint. But that's that's where in the world I am right now. So I want to get to this this next part of your what you believe and how you do it, and you were sure. already hitting on some of the other questions. It's a two-part one. If it's not scary, it's not innovative. And if it's not innovative, it's not worth it. Yeah. So this is all about differentiation, but it's kind of, it's about differentiation the way I learned to, again, common theme, think about the idea of differentiation. Why different? See, differentiation is one of those buzzwords and it's, and it's become a buzzword. It's not even a buzz concept. It's not even a buzz discipline within the, the art form anymore. And, and the reason I say that is because I believe, and I'm really confident Marty would agree with this, people don't understand why differentiation matters. What's the value? You know, why, why, why should someone who works in brand care about the brand being different. One of the things we say, you'll remember from the first level masterclass is the idea of differentiation is that we are, as human beings, we are hardwired to notice what's different, right? That in and of itself isn't enough 
Okay. The second part of that is what actually matters. The reason we're hardwired to notice what's different is because we think there's something in it for us. And when we perceive that there is something in it for us, when we perceive that this brand here is, is offering me or it's made me feel like they can give something to me that all of these other brands that I have to choose from in this category for this product, for the service, those are the brands don't make me feel that way, but this one brand does. That is how I define the brand. That's how it make, they make it very easy for me to choose them, right? Because I am very clear about what's in it for me, why they matter, right? Why it matters is where the brand lives. That's the question, you know, if you all also remember, we talk about these three questions that you should ask every client. You should ask of your own business. Who am I? What do I do? And why should anyone care? Why does it matter? The right. answer to that question is where your brand exists. That is brand period, full stop. Thanks for listening. So when we talk about differentiation, differentiation can help create that perception, that, that gut feeling that, there's something in it for me that they must matter more than these other brands. They'll kind of look all the same or aren't standing out to me as much as this brand is. So with that as, the, as context, right? If it's not scary, it's not innovative. Innovation, differentiation, they, they share, they breathe some common air, right? And the innovation being innovative is another buzzword at this point. We don't think that most people understand what real innovation is, what innovation really means. We believe that innovation means asking questions like, hey, what if, or why not this, okay? If you're not asking questions like that, then you are not being innovative. But being innovative isn't enough because everyone else is trying to be innovative at the same time. Whether they are or they're not, they're trying. Okay, so it's not enough to just be innovative. One of the things that we work on in the first level class, as you remember, is we're teaching these principles of brand, these disciplines of brand, and we're having you apply them through a series of exercises. And what we have you do is apply them to a category, a category of business. We do supermarkets, airports, uh, universities, car repair shops, we've added some new fresh ones. I don't know if you know that, but we've taken some new categories for test drive. Those are all categories of business. And so we have you apply these principles and these, these ways of thinking um, to disrupt a category, not to just create a, a made up brand and try to enter a category, but to disrupt a category, to be so innovative, but really to be so scary that you disrupt the category. And in disrupting the category, you can turn it upside down, you can change or even invalidate, you can move the, the rules, the definitions of the category and define them for yourself so that you become not just the market leader, but the category leader. Mm -hmm. And everyone else has to catch up to you, to innovate just to catch up. So, I boiled all of that down into, well, 
okay, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to do something, innovate. If you're going to innovate, don't just innovate because that's what everyone else is doing. Turn it upside down, blow it up, you know, turn it inside out. And the reason we, we start our, our uh, brand program with that exercise, as crazy as it may seem to some people, and we, we, we get it. We know some people hear that this is what they're going to be doing for a week. And they're like, what, really? Why? What, where's the value? The likelihood that you're going to get even slightly innovative or disruptive instead of what, what happens most of the time, which is just defaulting to playing it safe, right. playing, it rash, playing it rational, um, playing it calculable, right? Cal- being able to calculate ROI. I don't even want to go down that path today, right? You know, look at the brands that lead their categories and don't just lead their categories, but have defined modern culture um, and basically ruled the world. They didn't innovate. What they did was not innovative. What they did was category changing. And so the idea of being scary or disruptive or just going beyond asking questions like what if, why not, uh, uh, that's not original. Marty just boiled it down into its absolute purest form that's basically undeniable, right? So that's what I mean. And when I talk to clients, clients always drop the word innovation or innovative in part of their kind of brand therapy uh, (laughs) discovery session, right? Like we're trying to be more innovative. As soon as I hear that, I'm like, oh great, like this won't even be fair. so that's, that's what it's all about. And, and I'm at a point where I'll even tell a prospective client, if you're not willing to step outside of yourself, if you're not willing to scare all internal stakeholders, investors, members of your board, um, let alone your customers, let alone your competitors, let alone your broad market, if you're not willing to do that and to own it, we're not going to be a good collaborative team, right. period. Yeah, because we we'll have that same conversation. We'll we'll push push clients through. You know, we'll ask them. To, you know, you you just shared. You just said the word innovative. What does innovative look like to you? And they'll usually you know come up with some technology solution or maybe a different customer service approach. Or um, you know, it all depends on the type of of business. I think I have one client right now that's looking to do something innovative, and it's it's not going to redefine the category, but it's going to push them ahead of the category. Um, and, and so it's scary for him because he's, he's saying, is there a big enough market? So you start to have to have that conversation. It's not about the size of the market. It's about the size of the minimum viable audience. You know, and and are, they, are they going to believe that this is going to add meaning to their life and be meaningful for them? Back to the, you know, being, it's about them, not about you. Right. Um, so yes, and you know, it, it, it's like, you know, it's like Marty says, if it's not, if it's not innovative, if, if it doesn't scare everybody, it's really not innovative. Right. And, and that, that, you know, and yes, I, 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 I was heavily influenced by another thing that, that he had, I think it was in the brand gap, which was, you know, how do you know when you're being innovative and, you know, you flip the page and it's when it scares the hell out of everybody else. Oh, I mean, uh, I, I've been, 
I've been merchandising that for since I since I got into this business, and it's just dynamite, dude. And and but again, you're right. Clients, internal teams, you know, stakeholders, uh, uh, even internal colleagues, you know, members on your own creative team. There, there's always a lot more fear about causing fear, right? Um, but fear, you know, I, I hate to get super nerdy and quote Dune, but you know, fear is the mind killer. Well, it's 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 the same thing. Fear is a business killer, right? If if you're not prepared to take a risk, get out of it. Just go 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 do something else, which is which is fine. But what we're talking about in this in this part of being, right? In this part of living life, trying to build a career, doing the things that we do, risk is a part of it, right? You know, I, I the first part of my career, the first half of my career was in, was in finance. We dealt with the risk, but through a very different lens. It was always about an exit, right? Working in finance, the, the thing you care about more than profits and returns on your investment are the exit, right? Minimizing risk. But risk is always going to be there. Here, it's, it's actually, it's a much more interesting way to talk about risk and fear because instead of, instead of trying to mitigate risk, you can kind of flip it upside down and, and frame it like this. I, I know you've heard this before and I'm sure most, much of your audience has too. What's the risk of not trying something? What's the risk of playing it safe? What's the risk of sprinting just to try to keep up with the competition if they're ahead of you, with the market if it's getting away from you, and or with your customers, however you define them, however you've designed them. And we can talk about customer design separately. Um, you know, if they're, you know, forgetting about you, or if they are even worse than forgetting about you is commoditizing you, right? So that's how I like to think about innovation. That's how I like to think about fear with brand. Um, and you know, with Marty, two of us have absolutely no fear and we barely even gotten going. We've actually, the, 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 the really scary thing when I think about it is we've actually been playing it more safely than we've wanted to. And, and recent conversations we've had have all been in with this tone of like, no, I think it's time that we can kind of stand up, put our chest out, you know, crack a few knuckles and let's actually get scary. You know, like let's get nuts, right? Sure. We're going to, we're starting to move in that direction. Like that's what we're so like excited about. If this podcast helps you build a beloved brand and gain new customers, please open your podcast app and leave a five-star review so more people can discover and listen to the experts and insights we share every episode. Yeah, no, and I'm glad to hear that because, you know, we, I mean, we, we both see in the marketplace, you know, people talking about brand. I mean, the company that puts your logo on stuff, they talk about brand, they talk about, you know, but it's, 
It's just buzz. It's just buzz, 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 buzz. Nobody it's understands marketing. it. It's, cool. it's, it's great, great marketing. It's and it's cool. That and like again, that has a role. And like, look, look what it can do for uh, uh, look what it can do for the business for the bottom line. I mean, like I, when I said before, if we did a fraction of the kind of marketing and buzz and noise and content and all the stuff that everyone else is doing, if we did a fraction of that. I don't even know where we would be, but it wouldn't be us. I'm the one who has to go to sleep at night feeling good, feeling wholesome, feeling, you know, genuine and authentic about what we're doing and that what we're doing is genuine and authentic and wholesome, right? So that's why we haven't done it. But, you know, if we did, Jesus. Well, Yes, I'm just I'm just thinking back. I mean, with, with you, you kind of operate. You're, you're you're talking about this principle that I try to live by. Nothing. Um, no, I just lost it. Um, <laughs> I, every, that always happens when people talk to me. Sorry. No, it's okay. It's 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 my age. I think. Um, not you know, nothing nothing to fear, nothing to lose. Like I've got nothing to lose. It's just like I'm at the point. I've tried a lot of stuff. I mean, 25 years and 30, I mean, it's actually like 35 years in this business, starting from a designer up to where I'm more of a strategist now. I've done a lot of stuff and I know what I like to do and I know what I'm good at, but I'm, I'm not afraid to, you know, to talk to a CEO and say, look, if you go down this path, it's just not going to work. Um, if they don't want to hire us, great. There are other people out there who will, uh, who want that perspective. They want someone who's going to be able to say to them, you know, no, that's a bad idea. Or they're going to want somebody who's willing to work with them as they've got their own vision for growth to help them achieve that. Mm -hmm. And that's such a critical part. Um, you know, the nothing without... to lose, the nothing to lose thing. I, I just want to say, you know, I'm sure, sure you're aware of this, but you know, a lot of people in this space, especially in creative services, they tend to be more introverted, right? You know, and we do a very short personality test. I'm, I'm super introverted. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, the, there's, I guess, a subset of the introverted population that is labeled highly sensitive. I'm, I am kind of a self uh, uh, labeled, uh, self acknowledged, highly sensitive person. I am super introverted. Um, and, and I understand, uh, and I'm sensitive to the, to the, to the idea that introverted people are, can be even more naturally risk averse. Right. And so the idea of taking risk, the idea of risky thinking, even just risky, creative thinking, let alone risky, strategic thinking, risky, uh, business planning. Right. Uh, can be can be hard, and and a lot of folks in this space they're constantly looking, almost uh, desperately searching for ways to be the ways to embrace risk and true innovation while still being introverted and being themselves. Right, I, I get it. I don't. We don't need to get into that, but but you said something that just made me think. The idea of having nothing to lose. If one of the reasons why Marty and I have been able to do what we've done and why I especially have been able to do it with him, we're really a two-man band, period. 
uh, is because I have always, I, for, for, for quite a while, I have had this mentality of nothing to lose. And I look at it this way, trying to be gender neutral, but it's just the way I frame it for myself. The guy with nothing to lose is more capable and more dangerous than the guy with something to lose. And that's the way I've looked at it and felt it for myself. And that is what has let me, with the master, put ideas to him that I've put to clients, that I put to agencies I work for, and who were just like, you're insane. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, no, that's cool. It's the way I got, that's the, it, that was my pitch to him. My pitch to him to, to try this, to build this with me. His response was, through his entire career, people have thrown ideas at him to try to get him to collaborate with him. And this was the best idea anyone had brought to him. And when he said that, I like almost just started crying in front of former colleagues. And, and so, but it was because I went into that conversation with him and everything we've done since and everything we're going to continue to do, I go into it with that mentality of, I have nothing to lose. Do I, is that 100% actually true? Yes and no, but it's how I command my brain and my heart and my gut to lead, right? And I follow. And it was through that lens of, I have nothing to lose that makes me more capable and more dangerous than anyone else in our space who I am just going to assume have feel like they have something to lose, Yeah. period. Yeah, I completely agree. And as you were talking through that, the first part of that phrase hit me. It's, I have nothing to prove. And so therefore I have nothing to lose. I mean, you've proven yourself. It, in, again, these ideas, this whole perspective, um, not only on, on brand, but on business and on leadership just shows that you know it's valid and people will buy into it. You've proven it. And so there's no need to prove it anymore. There's nothing to prove. There's, and so you know, driving innovation in this way, driving brand in this way, driving leadership in this way, yeah, there's just so many directions this could go. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we could go on and on. We're going to have, we'll have you back again. I mean, yeah, I, I know. We'll, once pick a topic, this is, this, is, this is like every, every podcast, every, every conversation that I have, it's like, we, there's so many rabbit holes here and I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next person of going down one. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, this has been super awesome. Yeah. So let's just let's just um, close on a couple of personal things. Um, just sure. reading reading through your your LinkedIn profile, there's a couple of things that stood out. One, um, I'm a musician, but it says you're a multi instrumental musician. So what does that mean? And and because they're rare. I mean, multi instrumental musicians who can play all of them well are rare. <laughs> what do you play? I, <laughs> <laughs> I play several instruments, but I don't play all of them well. But I can play them. So. My, my principal instrument is uh, the drum set, drums and percussion, um, but I can play piano, I can play guitar, I can play bass, some other stringed instruments. I played saxophone um, and clarinet uh, once upon a time, but I went to music school, I studied music, mm. and you know, it's, it's interesting when, we, when I talk about level C a lot, and, and this, this 
our approach to, to teaching people how to think about it. I was heavily inspired by my experiences in music school and as a musician, especially after music school, because music school taught me how to, not just how to think about music, but how to listen to music and how to think about what I was hearing. And, and there was this great quote, and, and I feel so rotten, I don't remember who said it, but, but my, one of my professors in music school said it on the very first day of the very first class that I took. It was a class called ear training and everyone had to take it. And I was like, I'm a drummer, man. I don't, what do I need this for? And he, and the whole class, it was a semester of sitting at a keyboard and the professor plays a note or a pair of notes or a chord and intervals. And we literally train our ears to identify the notes, the, the doubles, the, the, the chords, the intervals. And all he does, it's like he plays and he'll call randomly on people and you have to tell him what you're hearing. It's brutal. But he said, good musicians play with their fingers or mouths, whatever their, their extremities are, but great musicians play with their ears. And when he said that on the first day, I was like, I'm in, all in, sold. And, and I spent my time at music school really trying to train my ears and learn how to think about music so that after I left music school, I could teach myself if I heard something new, if I was just, if I became intellectually curious about a, a kind of music, a certain track, whatever. And I still do it today. So, so that's that. But, but as a drummer, as a meathead rock drummer, like I, it, I don't, I, I don't always, I don't always use it. The other thing that influenced my thinking was I uh, was, I'm a recovering law school student. Most people don't know that about me. I, I went to law school once upon a time. I'm not a lawyer, but I was in law school. And the thing about law school is, is the other thing that influenced how we do level C that law school doesn't teach you how to be a lawyer. Law school teaches you how to think like a lawyer. You finish law school, that means you're qualified to take a uh, study for and take the bar exam. You pass the bar exam, you start practicing law. That's why they call it practicing law. That's how you become a lawyer. And so that's those two experiences, being a musician and a recovering law school student is, has, is what has um, influenced how Marty and I have designed and approach everything that we do in level C. And honestly, it's, it's so relevant to brand and branding, but that's, that's a whole other podcast. Sure. No, I mean, I use the music, um, I mean, I use the music analogy. So I, I quick about me, um, elementary and high school, classically trained violinist, um, tried jazz violin for a while, and then started studying bass, and then moved to guitar. So it's, I love stringed instruments, but total, man, I'm a rhythm section guy. I mean, we both know that it's really the bass and the drums that are holding the band together because without, without the beat, without the rhythm, you know, it, they're all over the place. Um, they are. And that's, and that's, you know, again, coming back to risk and coming back to, you know, feeling like you, you can approach this with nothing to lose when the rhythm section screws up, especially the drummer, when the, when, when the rhythm section screws up, everyone knows it. If, if you're playing melody, if you're playing harmony, you can get away with stuff. And most people won't know. But when the drummer falls in and out of time, 
right? Oh. Rushes ahead, slips behind, misses a beat, drops a stick, whatever, you know, hits, hits a crash so hard that it falls over, which I've done. Um, there's no hiding behind that. And, but you know what, I embrace it. I, I love that kind of all or nothing, all in, you know, balls to the wall. You know, there's, there's the cars off or there's fifth gear, you know, yep. and, and, and I like, and I'm comfortable with that. So, but music, music is a great analogy. And, and in the past, when I've hired people for teams or interviewed people at agencies for, to be, to be on my team, one of the questions I always ask is, you know, do you, do you play any musical instruments? Because I find that musicians, especially in this space, have a unique way of embracing the thought process, right? Aside from just having, being naturally creative. Um, if, if you're a musician, you work in brand, like contact me, contact Brian. We probably want to work with you. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I think that's where I was headed with my thought before I took the rabbit trail is I, I talked to our clients about, like, we're putting together this, this, we use brand guidebooks and we're doing this because it's like a songbook for your staff. Everybody's singing from the that. same songbook in harmony. Everybody's going to have their different parts, but this is what's going to weave everything together in harmony so that you all, even though you're sharing different stories, you all have the same message. Um, and they Dude, love yeah, I I dig that. I like that a lot. I'm, I may steal it, but I'll give you full credit because I haven't heard that before. I like that. No, it's, I mean, we're all just interchanging ideas here. I think the main um, level C, um, the people who pass through the program, who become certified, we're all in a sense going to be singing from this same songbook because it's up to us to help educate and re-educate a marketplace. I, man, I hope so. Um, that can also be another podcast um, episode. Uh, it's it's tricky because uh, you know the people. We there are some folks who I know struggle even coming out of our class, and I think the reason is again it's another set. It's another episode, but the uh, people naturally are inclined to look for shortcuts. There are no shortcuts with this. There's no, there are no shortcuts to even just thinking, let alone thinking about how to apply, let alone applying, let alone applying, refining, being objectively and honestly uh, 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 receptive to performance. And then let alone think, thinking about what else, what, what do you need to do next? Do you need to take a step back? Do you need to revisit a concept? Do you need to kind of roll up your sleeves and just focus on one thing or another? I, I don't know, but you know, um, one of the things you, you we talked about, uh, and we're not going to have time for for this episode is you know what are you know what are some myths about brand that I would love to debunk and before even debunking them, I still want to spend a little bit more time sadomasochistically on, on platforms like Clubhouse, listening to how brand and these, these principles are just, they are regurgitated, they are butchered, they are re-regurgitated, re-butchered. Like it's, you know, and again, it's not a, we're right and they're wrong. But 
look who I'm working with. Yeah. I'll stop short of saying we're right, they're wrong. But I will say I'm really confident in the value, in the utility, in the relevance, and just the, the nuclear power of what we think, what we teach, and what we use on a daily basis. I'm super, super, I'm unwaveringly confident about that, right? So. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, Don't get me started it, on Clubhouse. No, and it, no, I see the same thing on LinkedIn. Um, and, you, you know, it gives you confidence. It's giving people like me confidence too. I mean, I have so much more confidence. I'll add a zero to a project, you know, number just because, or straight up, you know, or I'll add, you know, a 10 followed by four zeros to a project number, just because I feel more confident now. Um, you know, we yeah. talked about fear earlier, you know, without fear, without risk, there would be no need for courage at all. That, that's, that's, well, that's right. But, and, and, and courage is the thing that lets you take action in spite of fear. Exactly. Exactly. So, and I mean, this is the, this is the most human part of business. Brand is the most human, the most, uh, uh, the most personable part of business. It is. You have, but, but it's not enough to just say that and for someone to hear it and say, Oh, I totally agree. And like, I get brand, right. It, it's way more cerebral because we're talking about people, because we're talking about humanity, because we're talking about the humanity of business. It's not black and white. It's not simple. It is super cerebral. It's psychological. Like, like if, if, if I could go back and do one thing over again, I would have majored in psychology. I would have kind of delayed music school and either gotten a master's or even gone as far as getting a PhD in psychology, consumer, psych, consumer psychology, uh, consumer behavior, um, because this is all a game, not of creativity or um, of anything else. This is all about people and psychology. Like, so, so, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, you're saying the same. I've, I've told this to people, it's like they, you know, they should have taught us more in design school about business, but they should have layered in some psychology degrees, especially around behavior design and behavioral psychology. So, um, so let's just wrap up. I'm going to, I just want to give you yeah, a yeah. recommendation of a book. Hold on. Yeah, please. It's been transformative for me. It's called marketing to mind states. It's by Will Leach. And you may have seen this before, um, but it's all about applying behavior design to research and marketing and, you know, Will's done a fantastic job. Um, uh, so, you know, we, yeah. in apply, applying this, we've been applying this to um, the brand strategy disciplines. We've also been applying this and, and layered it in with some of the story brand work we do. Um, it's added to, you know, just applying some of these principles, but it really looks at, you know, goals and motivations or mores. Um what then is a is a, a the consumer's mind state in terms of you know um, are they cautious or optimistic? Um, but then what are the 
um, not only cautious or optimistic. Um, yeah. So goals, motivations, their approach, that's their decision-making approach, but what are the mm -hmm. triggers? Mm -hmm. What are of, of the 22 that he gives, what are the triggers that, that compel them to purchase? Mm -hmm. And he's, he, and will simplifies it. So I, I think you would find some really fascinating, simple approaches to apply into, again, some of your work and then some of this, um, you know, the brand discipline. So we're, we're going to end up going on for two more hours if I don't yeah. cut it off here. So, you know, Andy, I just want to thank you for your time. I know you're super busy. Um, I appreciate um, you. I appreciate the, the perspective you bring to the Level C program. Um, and I just want to thank you for you know, joining me here because I look up to you just as I look up to Marty, you both bring such a valuable perspective to people like me. So thanks for being on the Everybody Brands podcast. I, I appreciate that. I, I, this was awesome. I've enjoyed this conversation. I enjoy you. And, and look, I look up to you for, among other things, your, your genuine intellectual curiosity and your commitment to working through the process of thinking about this stuff and thinking and i and i know that you you value your own thought capital and thought labor into the courses that you've taken the books that you've read um and even the work that you're doing and it's one of the reasons why your business is 25 years old cool. okay so for all of you listening out there brian is living proof well, well beyond me, um, up there with Marty for the value of intellectual curiosity and putting time and thought into what you hear, what you read, and even what you are producing on a daily basis. So um, this has been a true, a true treat for me. Yeah. Well, thanks, Andy. All right. So thanks everybody for being part of this podcast conversation with Andy Starr from Level C. Um, we're definitely going to invite Andy back and we'll let you know when he comes back. So until next time, thanks for joining us on the Everybody Brands podcast. Woo. Awesome. That was Super. awesome. If this podcast helps you build a beloved brand and gain new customers, please open your podcast app and leave a five-star review so more people can discover and listen to the experts and insights we share every episode. Music from this episode is the track Wrong by Dan Hennig, found on youtube.com slash audio library slash music. Thanks for listening to the Everybody Brands podcast from Brian Soy. You can find more content like this at aspire.com and in the forthcoming book, Everybody Brands, how high-performing companies use storytelling to deepen customer relationships. In the meantime, look for books by Brian Soy on amazon.com and discover resources to help you build powerful brands that inspire and engage at aspire.com slash resources.